0: Thank you all so much for worshiping and connecting with us. We do not take it for granted. Today, I want us to build off of what has already happened. And I want to talk to you about proposed fear and completed work from Nehemiah chapter six. Proposed fear and completed work. (sighs) Have you ever thought about it? But fear is powerful, isn't it? Fear actually can be crippling. Fear will have you hating people you should love and stay in places you should leave. Fear has the ability to hinder our lives, to stun our growth, and to take control of the redemptive narrative that God has birthed in all of our lives. In fact, there's this popular acronym for fear that I love, and I want to share it with you. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Isn't that the truth? Fear creates a destructive story of how things will never work out in our favor. Fear tells us the answer will always be no, even when God is screaming yes in all of our lives. Fear is crippling, y'all, and it destroys communities. Fear destroys relationships, but fear also opposes any type of progression in life. And so it's in Nehemiah 6 that we see a bunch of fear. And a bunch of people controlled by fear. You see, in chapter six, we notice the effects of being fear filled and it's spreading like wildfire. Opposition is just rising and people are just fighting and people are throwing darts and punches at Nehemiah. But Nehemiah is steady building. (laughs) I want you to know something today. It is a myth that once you follow God, all of your problems just cease. It's not that following God stops the opposition, but when you face the opposition, guess what? You no longer fight alone. God is right there equipping us with wisdom, with faith, with strength and hope to continue amidst all of the opposition that we may face. And that's what we will notice today. That my brother Nehemiah is building and he's helping to bring life and vitality back to Jerusalem. But the haters who profited from the misery of Jerusalem. They're angry and they're fearful. Angry, why? They're angry because Nehemiah's leading this building project and they want it to stop. They're fearful, why? Because if Jerusalem gets back on their feet, they don't know what will happen to the rest of the surrounding territories. What money may come from that territory and go to Jerusalem? And so filled with anger and fear, they oppose openly this building project to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. The enemies that face that Nehemiah is facing, they're completely invested. And I like to just describe them just like this. They are persistent. (laughs) These enemies are more persistent than a dog waiting on a crumb to drop from a plate. They're more persistent than excuses that we make to not work out. (laughs) They're more persistent than that mosquito that's hanging around your door, waiting for that door to open just so they can come into your house or your dorm room or your apartment just to be more of a nuisance. Nehemiah dealt with persistent opposition who were really filled with fear. And guess what, friends? So were we. And so in Nehemiah chapter six, it's important that we pay attention to what happens in Nehemiah's life because we can learn today how to handle proposed fear and opposition, even when it arises in ours. And so we begin. In chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, it says, Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, Jeshem the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach was left in it, although at that time I had not installed the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Jeshem sent a message to me saying, Come. Let's meet together at Shepharim in the plain of Ono. But they were plotting to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and unable to come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? Then they sent messages to me four times worded in this way and I answered them with the same wording. The building project is coming together, y'all. And all of a sudden, it's beginning to look like a wall. Now it's not finished, (laughs) y'all, but you can begin seeing promise and potential and even the finish line that lies ahead. The people are excited, y'all, but not everyone. See, a leader from Samaria named Sanballat and an Ammonite servant of Sanballat and an Arabian named Jesham, they're full of fear and they're seeking to halt this building project. Behind the scenes, they're working to plot against Nehemiah. Behind the scenes, they are really hoping that Nehemiah will halt this thing immediately. And so they send what I like to call an ancient text message asking Nehemiah to meet multiple times. They are being worse than a tax collector who continuously calls. And they're saying, hey, Sanballat, Jeshur, and Tobiah are saying, hey, man, please come meet us. Please come meet us. Please come meet us. But they have evil and cruel intentions. And so my brother Nehemiah says, no. He offers them one sentence and a question. It's right there in verse three where he says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work be left? to come down to you. Nehemiah hits us with a lesson right there in verse three. And you know what it is? When you're dealing with people who are fear-filled and not faith-filled, you need to learn how to offer concise statements and intentional prayer. Hmm. I'm gonna say that again. Concise statements and intentional prayers help us when dealing with our enemies. See, Nehemiah was consistently prayerful throughout his life. He was prayerful as he was wondering and discerning whether to begin this massive building project in Jerusalem. He was prayerful as he recruited a team to help with this work. Nehemiah was prayerful when he was initially met with the opposition to this progress that they were making. And now my brother Nehemiah keeps this same energy five times these brothers driven by fear have sent ancient text messages to Nehemiah asking would you just please meet with us Nehemiah but when Nehemiah remains strong in his decision to not meet with them they become so angry that their fear graduates to them lashing out in lies hmm Hear that, (laughs) y'all. They say, Nehemiah, you're only doing this because you want to build your own kingdom where you can rule. They say you and your people are setting this up. Y'all plotting this thing real good because y'all are going to rebel against what's already in place. Can I help you today? Because when you're dealing with people that are fear filled, everything that you do to them is just going to be wrong. I want you to listen, friends, that if your enemy cannot stop you, they'll lie on you. They'll try to halt you. But guess what else they will do? They will also try to distract you. See, these distractions can come in the form of lies. They can come in the form of busyness, riddles even, emotive prompts to anger you and so much more. But Nehemiah doesn't fall into the trap. He doesn't believe the lie. He keeps his cool, denies the claim. And in verse nine, he says, God strengthened the work. Of my hands. Y'all hear that, don't you? He's barely talking to his enemies. He's barely submerging himself in their fears. He instead is spending more time speaking to God. Friends, enemies will arise even in our lives because progression of anything can cause fear to some. But if you desire to continue moving forward, you can't wrap yourself in the emotions of everyone else. You got to learn how to wrap yourself in faith. Learn to pray more than you speak to your enemy, because when you do, God will provide power in your life and the strategy of how to respond to your enemy. See, Nehemiah dealt with fearful people. Again, I'm going to tell you, we will, too. But being led by this idea of false evidence appearing real, y'all, it's a chronic disease. But we treat this disease by offering concise statements and intentional prayers to God because temptations may be too much for us. But they're never too much for God. But now remember, this construction site is not like building a treehouse in your backyard, y'all. This is a massive, gigantic behemoth building project that Nehemiah and his crew have been working on for some time. And so he gets a little tired, y'all, and he takes what I like to call a lunch hour. My brother Nehemiah said, all right, I've been building this thing. I had my hammer. I've been nailing down opposition. I've been doing all of that. Well, I'm going to take a break. And he takes this break and we get to see what happens in this lunch hour right here at verse 10. Nehemiah says, when I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahitabel, who was confined at home, he said, let's meet together in the house of God within the temple and let's choose or close the doors of the temple. For they are coming to kill you and they are coming to kill you at night. Fear and rage have graduated into a scheme to end the life of Nehemiah all because he's just trying to rebuild Jerusalem. This is upsetting to read. I don't know about you, but it is for me because I'm like, man, Nehemiah meant absolutely no harm. He was just carrying out the call to build that was given to him by God, right? But although he's meant no harm, he wants everybody to get along, these people are plotting to end his life. Friends, I hate to tell you this, but sometimes you can follow every instruction that God gives you and it just won't please everybody Mm -hmm. friends in the text Shemiah says Nehemiah if you know what I know you need to come on and let's go inside this temple here because your enemies won't come inside the temple you'll be safe there Nehemiah's life is on the line people are coming to harm him and hurt him but knowing that he literally says this should a man like me flee And who is there like me who would go into the temple just to save his own life? No, Shemaiah, I I, I won't go in. (laughs) Nehemiah could easily have leaned into saving his own life. He could have easily been selfish, full of anxiety and trusted Shemaiah and completely abandoned the building project of Jerusalem. And he could have said, workers, you fend for yourself, every man for themselves. But instead, he cares about other people. Most of all, he trusts God and chooses faith over fear. Please don't miss what this text is designed to teach us here. It's this, that listening to God above all else always works in our favor. He didn't listen to his fear. He didn't listen to Shemiah. And if you don't believe me, I want you all to just look at verses 12 through 13. It says, Nehemiah says this. Then I realized that God certainly had not sent Shemaiah, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Y'all hear that? He was hired for this, this reason, that I would become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could taunt me. So Shemaiah was in on the plan. Hmm. See, we have... A naive tendency as we hear this, and the naive tendency that many of us wrestle with is this. We like to believe that everybody wants what's best for us. That's why we put certain things on social media and we, we're waiting on people to like it. But everybody that likes your posts don't mean that they are rocking with you for real. Everybody that hearts your posts don't mean that they love you for real. See, some people view you as a threat in life and cannot even notice the blessing that you are. This is Nehemiah's reality here. He is a blessing sent to Jerusalem, but the opposition can't see the blessing. They only see him as a threat. In our life, you're going to face the same type of issue. But you don't need to walk around looking all over your shoulder, trying to discern, is that person for me? Is that person for me? Is that person going to harm me? Is this person going to hurt me? No, the Lord is not calling us to paranoia, but he is calling us to pursue our savior. See, it takes entirely too much work to be trying to discern if you're right and if you're wrong. But guess what? If I turn you over to the Lord, God will let me know. and He'll let you know if we all are supposed to be in each other's lives in that capacity. And so I want you to hear something, because in our text today, Nehemiah completes this work in 52 days, y'all. Not three years, not nine years, not 10 years. 52 days. The massive wall of Jerusalem is built. But understand this today, that completed work will not stop the opinions of our critics. Completed work will not stop your critics from talking. What's a critic? I'm glad you virtually asked. A critic is a person who expresses an unfavorable judgment of something, no matter what it is. See, after the persistent ancient text messages or letters and all of these attempts to stop the rebuilding of the wall, the work prevails. And the opposition realizes that a power not of this world has helped Nehemiah and this crew complete this work. Because they continued to undercut, to punch, and to hurt this crew and Nehemiah. And through it all, they remained in prayer to God. And God birthed a beautiful, magnificent work through their hands. See, this chapter shows us that even after the work is completed, however, if you look at the last verse of this chapter, it says, and yet they steal the opposition tried to intimidate and hurt Nehemiah. Y'all hear that? (laughs) Said they still continued punching. They had even acknowledged, oh my God, it was God that has done this. God allowed this wall to be rebuilt because we were hitting them with our best shot and yet they continued to still hit them. I need you to listen to this. God will bless you in amazing ways, but that will lead some people to hate you just because God blessed you. Friends, we get in trouble, however, by meeting our opposition where our opposition may reside. Instead, we got to learn how to say, you know what? You're opposing me. I get it. God, here you go. (laughs) See, God completed the rebuilding of Jerusalem in 52 days in the presence of opposition. And you have to love God because God wants to complete certain things in our lives just like he completed that wall. But with the blessing, there will be some hard work. And yes, with the blessing, there will be opposition. But if you retrace the steps of Nehemiah, you're going to see something that Nehemiah did when dealing with all of this opposition that led to the completion of this work. Nehemiah prayed in verse 14 when he was met with opposition. Nehemiah prayed again in verse 9 when he was met with opposition. And he prayed even on what to do and how to handle the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. This whole chapter shows us this one liner. You can take it with you all this week. It shows us this persistent prayer invites God to overpower the opposition. Hmm. I'm going to say it one more time. Persistent prayer invites God to overpower the opposition. See, for God to complete certain things in our lives, whether that looks like achieving goals, losing weight, academic pursuits, (laughs) renovating and rejuvenating our relationships with others, we must be persistent in our prayer life. See, God wants to complete us and he wants to help us reach our God-given goals just like Nehemiah. But we must ask, does our persistency in prayer match the desire of whatever it is you fill in the blank? So this week, that's my challenge to you. Can you pray more than you complain about your enemy? Can you pray more instead of trying to craft petty things that you will do to your enemy? Because I believe if you're persistent in your prayer, it'll unlock God's power and your goal will be reached as long as it's in God's will. God can complete the work and lead you to your goal when you are willing to turn everything over to him, even your enemies. Let's pray. Gracious God, we're thankful that you're a completing God, that you're a God that fights for us and you're a God that can prepare a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. And so gracious God, we're thankful for Nehemiah's narrative. We pray that we may be able to apply it to our lives We lift up that man, that woman, that boy or girl who may not know you, that even now they will open up their hearts to you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Friend, as you're watching this and you hear Nehemiah's story, you've heard this, but I want to ask you the question of do you know Jesus? If by chance you don't know Jesus, there's no better day to accept Jesus into your heart than today, right now, where you are. And you can do that by simply praying a prayer. If you're ready, you just repeat this prayer after me. And I'm sure heaven will get ready for the party for you. If you're ready, let's pray. The prayer says, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of God's love. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I confess that Christ is the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. My brother or sister, as you're watching this, you may say, hey, I prayed that prayer, what now? Well, guess what? If you just prayed that prayer, know first that we are excited about it. Know secondly that if any of you have any prayer requests or you prayed that prayer, you can email us. Let us know about it at all together at spdl.org. Friends, if you want to give to this ministry, you can by going to spdl.org and the giving option is there. My friends, I'm inviting you this week to be persistent in your prayer life, because as persistent as you are in your prayer life, that's the power that God will place in your life. I pray that you'll have a great week. Think about Nehemiah chapter six. And friends, I hope you'll join us again next week. Have a great week.